Section 24 of The Natural History, Volume 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Natural History, Volume 5 by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 24, Book 25, Chapters 26 to 49. Chapter 26, 6. The Mithridatia. Crituist ascribes the discovery of one plant to Mithridates himself, the name of which is Mithridatia. Near the root it has two leaves resembling those of the acanthus, between which it puts forth a stem supporting a flower at the extremity, like a rose. Chapter 27. The Scordotus, or Scordian, Four Remedies. Linnaeus attributes to Mithridates the discovery of another plant, the Scordotes, or Scordian, which has been described, he tells us, by the hand even of that prince. This plant, he says, is a cubit in height and has a square stem, branchy, covered with downy leaves and resembling the Quercus in appearance. It is found growing in Pontus, in rich, humid soils, and has a bitter taste. There is another variety also of this plant with a larger leaf and resembling wild mint in appearance. They are both of them used for numerous purposes, both individually and in combination with other ingredients, as antidotes. Chapter 28. The Polymonia. Filetaria, or Chiliodynamus. Six Remedies. Polymonia is known as the Filetaria by some, in consequence of the contest which has arisen between certain kings for the honour of its discovery. The people of Cappadocia also give it the name of Chiliodynamus. The root of it is substantial, and it has slender branches, with umbels hanging from the extremities and a black seed. In other respects, it bears a resemblance to rue and is found growing in mountainous localities. Chapter 29. The Eupatoria. One remedy. The Eupatoria also is a plant under royal patronage. The stem of it is ligneous, hairy, and swarthy, and a cubit or more in length. The leaves, arranged at regular intervals, resemble those of cinquefoil or hemp. They have five indentations at the edge, and are swarthy like the stem and downy. The root is never used. The seed, taken in wine, is a sovereign, remedy for dysentery. Chapter 30. Centaurian or Chironian. Twenty remedies. Centauri, it is said, effected a cure for Chiron on the occasion when, while handling the arms of Hercules, his guest, he let one of the arrows fall upon his foot. Hence it is that by some it is called Chironian. The leaves of it are large and oblong, serrated at the edge and growing in thick tufts from the root upwards. The stems, some three cubits in height and jointed, bear heads resembling those of the poppy. The root is large and spreading, of a reddish colour, tender and brittle, a couple of cubits in length and full of a bitter juice, somewhat inclining to sweet. The plant grows in rich soils upon declivities, the best in quality being that of Arcadia, Elis, Messenia, Mount Foley and Mount Lycaeus. It grows also upon the Alps and in numerous other localities, and in Lycia they prepare a lyceum from it. So remarkable are its properties for closing wounds that pieces of meat even, it is said, are soldered together when boiled with it. The root is the only part in use, being administered in doses of two drachmae in the several cases hereafter mentioned. If, however, the patient is suffering from fever, it should be bruised and taken in water, wine being used in other cases. A decoction of the root is equally useful for all the same purposes. Chapter 31. The Centaurian Leptin, or Libadian, known also as Fel Terae. 22 Remedies. 
There is another centauri also with diminutive leaves known by the additional name of lepton. By some persons it is called libadian, from the circumstances that it grows upon the borders of fountains. It is similar to origanum in appearance, except that the leaves are narrower and longer. The stem is angular, branchy, and a palm in height. The flower is like that of the likeness, and the root is thin and never used. It is in the juice that its medicinal properties are centred, it being gathered in the autumn and the juice extracted from the leaves. Some persons cut up the stalks and steep them for some 18 days in water, and then extract the juice. In Italy, this kind of centauri is known as gall of the earth, from its extreme bitterness. The Gauls give it the name of exocum, from the circumstance that, taken in drink, it purges off all noxious substances by alvine evacuation. Chapter 32. The Centaurus Triorchus. Two Remedies. There is a third kind of centauri also, known as the Centaurus Triorchus. It is but rarely that a person cuts it without wounding himself. The juice emitted is just the colour of blood. Theophrastus relates that this plant is under the protection of the Triorchus, a kind of hawk, which attacks those who gather it, a circumstance to which it owes its name. Ignorant persons are in the habit of confounding all these characteristics and attributing them to the centauri first named. Chapter 33. 7. Climinus. Two remedies. Climinus is a plant so called after a certain king. It has leaves like those of ivy, numerous branches, and a hollow jointed stem. The smell of it is powerful and the seed like that of ivy. It grows in wild and mountainous localities. We shall have to state hereafter of what maladies it is curative, taken in drink, but it is as well to take the present opportunity of remarking that, while effecting a cure, in the male sex it neutralises the generative powers. The Greeks speak of this plant as being similar to the plantago in appearance, with a square stem and a seed in capsules, interlaced like the arms of the polypus. The juice of this plant, too, is used, being possessed of refreshing properties in a very high degree. Chapter 34. Gentian. Thirteen Remedies. Gentian was first discovered by Gentius, king of Illyria. It is a plant to be found everywhere, but that of Illyria is the finest. It has a leaf like that of the ash, but equal in size to a lettuce leaf. The stem is tender, about the thickness of the thumb, hollow and empty, and covered with leaves at regular intervals. This stem is sometimes three cubits in length, and the root is flexible, swarthy, and inodorous. It is found in the greatest abundance in humid localities at the foot of the Alps. The root and juice are the parts of it that are used. The root is possessed of certain warming properties, but it should never be taken by women in a state of pregnancy. Chapter 35. The Lysimachia. Eight Remedies. King Lysimachus first discovered the plant, which from him has received the name of Lysimachia, and the merits of which have been so highly extolled by Erasistratus. The plant has green leaves, resembling those of the willow, and a purple blossom. It has all the appearance of a shrub, the branches are erect, and it has a pungent smell. It is found growing in watery soils. The properties of it are so extremely powerful that if placed upon the yoke which beasts of burden are restive, it will be sure to overcome all stubbornness on their part. Chapter 36. Artemisia, Parthenis, Botrys, or Ambrosia. Five Remedies. Women, too, have even affected an ambition to give their name to plants. Thus, for instance, Artemisia, the wife of King Mausolus, adopted the plant which before was known by the name of Parthenis. There are some persons, however, who are of opinion that it received the surname from the goddess Artemis Elithia, from the fact of its being used for the cure of female complaints more particularly. 
It is a plant with numerous branches, like those of wormwood, but the leaves of it are larger and substantial. There are two varieties of it. One has broader leaves than the other, which last is of a slender form, with a more diminutive leaf, and grows nowhere but in maritime districts. Some persons again give this name to a plant which grows more inland, with a single stem, extremely diminutive leaves, and numerous blossoms which open at the ripening of the grape, and the odour of which is far from unpleasant. In addition to this name, this last plant is known as botrys to some persons, and ambrosia to others. It grows in Cappadocia. Chapter 37 Nymphaea, Heracleon, Ropalon, or Maidon, two varieties of it, four remedies. The plant called Nymphaea owes its name, they say, to a nymph who died of jealousy conceived on account of Hercules, for which reason it is also known as Heracleon by some. By other persons, again, it is called Ropalon, from the resemblance of its root to a club, redacted section, and hence it is that those who take it in drink become impotent for some twelve days and incapacitated for procreation. That of the first quality is found in Orchomenia and at Marathon. The people of Boeotia call it Maidon, and use the seed for food. It grows in spots covered with water. The leaves of it are large and float upon the surface, while others are to be seen springing from the roots below. The flower is very similar to a lily in appearance, and after the plant has shed its blossom, the place of the flower is occupied by the head like that of a poppy. The stem is slender, and the plant is usually cut in autumn. The root, of a swarthy hue, is dried in the sun. Garlic manifests a peculiar antipathy to it. There is another nymphaea, also, which grows on the river Peneus in Thessaly. The root of it is white, and the head yellow, about the size of a rose. Chapter 38. Two Varieties of Euphorbia. Four Remedies. The Camellia. In the time, too, of our fathers, King Juba discovered a plant to which he gave the name of Euphorbia, in honour of his physician Euphorbus, the brother of the same Musa, whom we have mentioned as having saved the life of the late Emperor Augustus. It was these brothers who introduced the practice of douching the body with large quantities of cold water immediately after the bath, for the purpose of bracing the system, whereas in former times, as we find stated in the works of Homer even, it was the practice to wash the body with warm water only. With reference to euphorbia, there is a treatise still in existence, written upon it by King Juba, in which he highly extols its merits. He discovered it growing upon Mount Atlas, and describes it as resembling a thrysus in appearance, and bearing leaves like those of the acanthus. The properties of this plant are so remarkably powerful that the persons engaged in collecting the juices of it are obliged to stand at a considerable distance. The incisions are made with a large pole shod with iron, the juice flowing into receivers of kid leather placed beneath. The juice has all the appearance of milk as it exudes, but when it has coagulated and dried, it assumes the form and consistency of frankincense. The persons engaged in collecting it find their sight improved thereby. This juice is an excellent remedy for the stings of serpents. In whatever part of the body the wound may have been inflicted, the practice is to make an incision in the crown of the head and there introduce the medicament. The Gaituli who collect it are in the habit of adulterating it with warm milk, a fraud, however, easily to be detected by the agency of fire, that which is not genuine, emitting a most disgusting smell. Much inferior to this is the juice extracted, in Gaul, from the Camellia, a plant which bears the grain of Cnidos, 
When broken asunder, it resembles hermonicaeum in appearance, and however slightly tasted, it leaves a burning sensation in the mouth, which lasts a considerable time and increases every now and then, until, in fact, it has quite parched the forces. Chapter 39. 8. Two varieties of the plantago. 46 remedies. The physician Themiso, too, has conferred some celebrity upon the plantago, otherwise a very common plant. Indeed, he has written a treatise upon it, as though he had been the first to discover it. There are two varieties. One, more diminutive than the other, has a narrower and more swarthy leaf, strongly resembling a sheep's tongue in appearance. The stem of it is angular and bends downwards, and it is generally found growing in meadowlands. The larger kind has leaves enclosed with ribs at the side to all appearance, from the fact of which being seven in number, the plant has been called heptapleuron by some. The stem of it is a cubit in height and strongly resembles that of the turnip. That which is grown in a moist soil is considered much the most efficacious. It is possessed of marvellous virtues as a desiccative and as an astringent, and has all the effect of a cautery. There is nothing that so effectually arrests the fluxes known by the Greeks as rheumatism. Chapter 40. Buglossos. Three Remedies. To an account of the plantago may be annexed that of the buglossos, the leaf of which resembles an ox tongue. The main peculiarity of this plant is that, if put into wine, it promotes mirth and hilarity, whence it has obtained the additional name of euphrosinum. Chapter 41. Cynoglossos. Three Remedies. To this plant we may also annex an account of the cynoglossos, the leaf of which resembles a dog's tongue, and which produces so pleasing an effect in ornamental gardening. The root, it is said, of the kind which bears three stems surmounted with seed, is very useful, taken in water, for tertian, and of that with four stems, for quartan, fevers. There is another plant very similar to it, which bears diminutive burrs resembling those of the lapper. The root of it, taken in water, is curative of wounds inflicted by frogs or serpents. Chapter 42. The Buthfulmus, or Cacla, One Remedy. There is the Buthfulmus, also so-called from its resemblance to an ox's eye, and with a leaf like that of fennel. It grows in the vicinity of towns, and is a branchy plant, with numerous stems which are boiled and eaten. Some persons give it the name of Cacla. In combination with wax it disperses Siri. Chapter 43. Plants which have been discovered by certain nations. The Scythese, One Remedy. Entire nations, too, have been the discoverers of certain plants. The scythes were the first to discover the plants known as scythes, which grows in the vicinity of the Paulus Myotis. Among its other properties, this plant is remarkably sweet and extremely useful for the affection known as asthma. It is also possessed of another great recommendation, so long as a person keeps it in its mouth, he will never experience hunger or thirst. Chapter 44. The Hippace. Three Remedies. The hippace, another plant that grows in Scythia, is possessed of similar properties. It owes its name to the circumstance that it produces the like effect upon horses. By the aid of these two plants, the scythesi, they say, are enabled to endure hunger and thirst so long as twelve days even. Chapter 45. The Iscaemon. Two Remedies. The Thracians were the first to discover the Iscaemon, which it is said has the property of stanching the flow of blood, not only when a vein has been opened, but when it has been cut asunder even. This is a creeping plant. It is like millet in appearance, and the leaves of it are rough and languinous. It is used as a plug for the nostrils. The kind that grows in Italy attached to the body as an amulet has the property of arresting hemorrhage. Chapter 46. The Cestros, Psychotrophon, Vatonica, or Seratula. 48 Remedies. 
The Vitones, a people of Spain, were the original discoverers of the plants known as the Vitonica in Gaul, the Seratula in Italy, and the Cestros or Psychotrophon in Greece. This is a plant more highly esteemed than any other. It puts forth an angular stem two cubits in height and throws out leaves from the root, with serrated edges and closely resembling those of Lapathum. The seed of it is purple. The leaves are dried and powdered and used for numerous purposes. There is a wine also prepared from it and a vinegar remarkably beneficial to the stomach and the eyesight. Indeed, this plant enjoys so extraordinary a reputation that it is a common belief even that the house which contains it is insured against misfortunes of every kind. Chapter 47. The Cantaprica. Two Remedies. In Spain, too, is found the Cantaprica, which was first discovered by the nation of the Cantapri in the time of the late Emperor Augustus. It grows everywhere in those parts, having a stem like that of the bulrush, a foot in height, and bearing small oblong flowers like a calanthus in shape, and enclosing an extremely diminutive seed. Nor indeed in other respects have the people of Spain been wanting in their researches into the nature of plants, for at the present day even it is the custom in that country, at their more jovial entertainments, to use a drink called the hundred-plant drink, combined with a proportion of honeyed wine, it being their belief that the wine is rendered more wholesome and agreeable by the admixture of these plants. It still remains unknown to us what these different plants are, or in what number exactly they are used. As to this last question, however, we may form some conclusion from the name that is given to the beverage. Chapter 48. Consiligo. One remedy. Our own age, too, can remember the fact of a plant being discovered in the country of the Marci. It is found growing also in the neighbourhood of the village of Nevisia, in the territory of the Equicoli, and is known by the name of Consiligo. It is very useful, as we shall have occasion to mention in the appropriate place, in case of Thysis, where recovery is considered more than doubtful. Chapter 49. The Iberus. Seven Remedies. It is but very lately, too, that Servilius Democrates, one of our most eminent physicians, first called attention to a plant to which he gave the name of Iberus, a fanciful appellation only, bestowed by him upon this discovery of his in the verses by him devoted to it. This plant is found mostly growing in the vicinity of ancient monuments, old walls, and overgrown footpaths. It is an evergreen, and its leaves are like those of nasturtium, with a stem a cubit in height and a seed so diminutive as to be hardly perceptible. The root, too, has just the smell of nasturtium. Its properties are more strongly developed in summer, and it is used only fresh gathered. There is considerable difficulty in pounding it. Mixed with a small proportion of axle grease, it is extremely useful for sciatica and all diseases of the joints. The application being kept on some four hours at the utmost, when used by the male sex, and about half that time in the case of females. Immediately after its removal, the patient must take a warm bath, and then anoint the body all over with oil and wine, the same operation being repeated every twenty days, so long as there are any symptoms of pain remaining. A similar method is adopted for the cure of all internal defluxions. It is never applied, however, so long as the inflammation is at its height, but only when it has somewhat abated. End of section 24